Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. I'm Joanna Williams. I was born in New York, but raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm the second of seven, and after high school, I made my way to TNU, but my story could have been different. The summer before my sophomore year, I decided I would stay home and attend school closer to family. Being so far away was weighing on me. So I enrolled in a community college and was walking the halls with my mom, looking for where my new classes would be held, when I distinctly remember feeling the presence of God pivot what I thought was best for me and usher me into a new plan. As I wandered those halls, I was overwhelmed with emotion. I sat on a bench as I sobbed to my mom, telling her that I couldn't stay in Colorado and I had to go back. That happened two weeks before classes began, and I somehow made my way back to Trevecca. Now I am a TNU graduate with a bachelor's degree in music and a master's in elementary education. I'm a proud TGE second grade teacher and a proud member of Trevecca Community Church. I've seen God work in and around and through me. In hindsight, I have seen the paths God has walked me through and the ones he has kept me from. And in the future, the ones he will lead me to. I am his. Today's scripture reading is from John 10, 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is just dying to tell you who he is. He is the good shepherd of the sheep who has authority and power to lay down his life for the sake of the flock, and to take it up again. This last week, I had the opportunity to be with some friends in Michigan. And some of those friends I hadn't seen in a while, in fact, many years. And one of those friends, since I've seen him last, became a dad. And he got to tell us the story of how he became a dad. Uh, You see, a little over a year ago, he and his wife had been approved through an adoption agency for placement for adoption. 
And it was an agency that worked specifically with hospitals. And so when a child was surrendered at the hospital, they would be on a waiting list to get a call at a moment's notice. And so they spent a year after they had been approved waiting for that call. And every time the phone rang, they wondered, is this the call? And so they finally got that call, and it happened after a year of waiting. But when they got the call, much to their surprise, they were called in for a baby that had been born two days ahead of time. I guess processing all of the paperwork and information, it had taken a while, so the baby had been in the world for two days. And, and for two days, this couple had just been living their normal life. They had been going about work and grocery shopping. They had been cleaning the house and doing dishes, not having any idea that they had just become parents. And they had this new authority to shepherd in the world, that they had been granted a new title and that there was this child alive and existing who they had this relationship with that gave them authority in little Isaiah's life. And that Isaiah, who had been alive for two days, still had no idea that he had been given the authority to be a child of the Beesons. So for two days, everybody went around as if nothing had changed, life was normal, but everything had changed. Shepherding is a powerful metaphor that Scripture uses in Old Testament and New Testament to describe the way that God calls us to steward authority and power for the sake of God's children. Moses was perhaps the first of these shepherds. Before Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, that big daring encounter, long before that, Moses had been shepherding sheep, and not even his own sheep. He'd been shepherding his father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness. And so he knew something about tending to and, and caring for flocks when one day he encounters this burning bush. Ring, ring, ring. God was calling. Suddenly, this was the phone call from God that changes everything, and God was telling him, Moses, I actually have these people for you to care for, not sheep any longer, but I'm going to ask you to steward this authority, not with your people, Moses, with my people, but I'm going to ask you to steward this authority and to lead them into freedom. Deborah, in the book of Judges, had been a good and faithful judge until one day, ring, ring, ring. She gets this call from God in a time of crisis, and she steps up to the plate. And after she and Barak have led successfully in battle, there's this song that the people sing in response, like celebrating this victory, that talks about Deborah and Barak as the shepherds of the fold who uh, had, had played the pied pipe, essentially leading the sheep, leading the flock. God had called her into a new role to lead and guide the people of God. Jesus also prepares Peter to become a shepherd. After Jesus' resurrection in John's gospel, Jesus is talking to Peter, and three times he tells him, hey, Peter, if you love me, if you love me, then feed my sheep. He's saying, Peter, if, if you love me and we have this relationship, 
in which I have authority in your life and and I have this relationship with the Father and the Father has authority in my life and I am giving you the authority, Peter, to feed my sheep because you love me. Ring, ring, ring. It's Peter's phone call that suddenly everything has changed and he's got these new people in his life to care for. Perhaps the most notable example of a shepherd that we know of who steps up into this kind of shepherding leadership is the story of David, the shepherd boy who in a moment of crisis, when the people of Israel are faced with this enemy, the Philistines, David is the one who steps up when nobody else will. David is this little shepherd boy. He's the youngest of all of his brothers, probably the one who gets the worst chores on the chore chart, which includes being out with the sheep and caring for sheep in the middle of the day. And perhaps what's most important about this story is it tells us that David was small. And that was significant because the current king at the time was a guy named Saul who had literally been chosen just because he was tall. And I know that sounds like a real bad bar to set for leadership, but did you know today there are studies that show statistically people are more likely to get promoted to leadership if they're tall. That's why I wear heels, right? Jordan just goes, boo. (laughs) Agreed. It's a real bad standard for leadership. And yet for some reason, we tend to look for the strong man, right? Well, we tend to look for the Goliath, who Goliath, of course, was, was the, the big hero of the Philistine, the enemy's army. And so Goliath has been out jeering all day long, like mocking the Israelites, mocking them and saying, is no one in your whole nation brave enough to stand up against me? And finally, David just, he won't take it anymore. He can't stand it. Even when Saul, the tall man, is too afraid to face Goliath, David is the one who hears the ring, ring, ring. And he answers the call in this crazy moment. David steps up. And he faces this enemy, the Philistines, this giant named Goliath. And he does it with these five stones that God tells him to collect. And a slingshot. This is, this is something that's made for pelting animals out in the wilderness. This is not a real weapon designed for killing people. It's not defensive armor. And so David goes up against huge, tall, big, strong, powerful Goliath. And he takes him down without even swinging a sword. And Israel then... All of Israel is delivered from the hands of the Philistines without a battle and without bloodshed. And eventually David would go on to replace Saul as king because God says, this is the kind of shepherd that I'm looking for to lead my flock. It's a great story. I mean, David and Goliath, it is an epic story. But I'm guessing that you might have heard it before. Am I right? Was anybody shocked this morning when I said that David won the battle sitting there going, I had no idea. It's one of those that even if you didn't grow up in Sunday school with all the popsicle lessons that we do and flannel graphs, it's a pretty widely known story in our culture. In fact, Adam Grant even wrote a book about David and Goliath stories and how they're so much a part of our culture. You probably have heard about this, and so you probably knew that David won already. It's, it's one that we, we knew we could see was coming. 
But in reality, in the real world, it's not as easy to root for, it's easy to root for David, but we want a Goliath to be on our side. Someone who looks like they have authority, right? Especially when we're facing an enemy. I mean, it's all noble and good to root and cheer for the underdog like David when you're just playing for fun. But when it's a, I mean, when it's a big rivalry game, I saw some of you wearing your colors this weekend, all right? I know, like, when it's a big rivalry game or when you are facing an enemy, when your life is on the line, we feel much safer standing behind Goliath and his sword than we do behind David and his slingshot, right? Oh, no one said amen, but I have a feeling I know. Perhaps that's why we are in the midst right now in this moment of a huge leadership shift. Some people would even call it a leadership crisis because for a long time, we saw after leaders that were much more like Goliath than like David that made us feel safe until, of course, we were on the other end of that sword. There's a bit of a crisis in authority that we're seeing these days. And I'm not just talking about in the church world. One blogger, Carrie Newhoff, talks about it like this. He illustrates the shift in the way that we're seeing leaders with the same shift that we're seeing in the way that people buy cars. See, there used to be a day and age when buying a car was seen as a really complicated thing to do. And most of us are not auto mechanics and engineers. We don't know uh, what a make and model is supposed to be like, what kind of mileage it's supposed to get, how many miles it has on it already, and what that means for this particular vehicle, what a fair price point would be, bells and whistles, warranties. Whew, it's complicated, right? And so it, it used to be that you really hoped to find an honest car dealer before that was an oxymoron, right? Someone who would be transparent and fair and explain all the bells and whistles and warranties. But quite often, people were wooed into car lots because of flashy signs and blow-up figures announcing great deals on shiny cars. And the dealer who looked like the one who should have authority, who came in with all kinds of expertise and using words that were whew, way over your head, who seemed like they really knew what was going on, that they should have authority in the car buying world. You trusted them and they sold you a lemon. And when you were broken down on I-65, suddenly you questioned trusting that car dealer with that authority, right? Well, today, then, most people do their car shopping online. Even if they go to a lot to find a car, they've already become their own expert before they show up. They've been researching and searching online, looking up the make and model, the features, and the price point. In fact, you can buy a car today that's delivered right to your door. You never have to interact with another human person because car dealers lost our trust and they were no longer granted the authority to shepherd our car buying decisions. And so for the car buying industry for a while, this created a real crisis. Similarly with journalism, today uh, most people get their news online through specific people that they follow on social media rather than trusting one nightly news anchor who has been given authority by a particular cable channel to tell you the news just like it is. 
And so news anchors no longer have the authority that they once had in society at large. And for journalism for a while, this created a real crisis. And it's not just in the way that we buy cars or consume the news. People who are navigating a spiritual journey, they no longer commit to one church for a lifetime and just automatically trust that whichever pastor comes and goes over the years, trusting that whoever is in the pulpit on any given Sunday will be their shepherd. Pastors across society at large have lost a lot of the authority that was once just granted to them by the culture. And perhaps that's due in part to the fact that there are so many pastors that we're hearing stories about on the news who seem more like Goliath than like David or Jesus. And so it seems like every week another story breaks about a Goliath-style pastor who takes a really hard fall. And it's great to have Goliath as a pastor when your church is growing and the church seems just as big and powerful and successful as the pastor in the pulpit, but it's not so fun when you end up on the other side of that sword. And so most spiritual people these days would rather curate their own collection of podcasts and books, blogs, TV evangelists, or social network groups. These days, people are shepherding their own soul. And for many people, especially people like me, a pastor who went off to seminary and got the degree and has been ordained by the church to have authority in the church, this seems like a real crisis. You see, the shepherd metaphor it's a really difficult one to steward well. And I, I, this last week, as I already shared, I was at this conference making the case for a group of church leaders that while this is a biblical metaphor and the problem is not with Scripture, the problem is with us, right? That, that maybe we need to put this metaphor on the shelf just for a little while. Surely there will be a season for it again but perhaps we have really struggled to be faithful to the good shepherd. You see, and part of the reason is that in this metaphor, right, shepherd and sheep, okay, in this metaphor, it is really easy to get to stand as the shepherd and to say, hear ye, hear ye, all you dumb, stubborn sheep out there, I alone know the path that will lead you to green pastures and still waters, so get in line or suffer the rod. That's not what the Holy Spirit speaking through Scripture is talking about when he says the good shepherd. But that metaphor can be used in that way. And so perhaps the real crisis has not been that people don't respect the authority of pastors anymore. But that at some point the sheep just could no longer hear the voice of the good shepherd. And so they wandered other places, trying to hear that voice of love once again. You see, Jesus in John chapter 10, Jesus is responding to a crisis of authority. In John chapter 9, we talked about this last week, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, 
come across a man who they all know was born blind. And Jesus healed him. I mean, did you hear that? He was born blind without the ability to see. Jesus heals him, opens up his eyes so that he can see the world that God has made and he can be a part of the religious life of the people of God in ways that he never could before. But the religious leaders of Jerusalem discover that he was healed on the Sabbath. And they say that a law has been broken. And when this man born blind who now can see defends what Jesus did, healing him on the Sabbath, the religious leaders kick him out. They kick him out of the temple. They cast him out of the community life of the people of God. They cut him off from the source of life. That, friends, is a leadership crisis, if I have ever heard one. It's no wonder that during the time that Jesus lived and walked the earth, there were so many other groups popping up. Uh, There were different groups that you could follow and associate with, like the, the Zealots or the Essenes. You could follow people like Barabbas, remember, right? There were all of these other leaders popping up, and the sheep seemed to be going in so many different directions because they didn't trust the institutional shepherds anymore. This is why Jesus has to say to them, I am the good shepherd. Have you noticed the other weeks we've been looking at these I am statements? He doesn't say, I am the good light. No one's worried about bad light, unless you're taking a picture. He doesn't say, I am the good bread. Nobody was worried about bad bread because they didn't have the gluten-free variety back then. That, That wasn't the concern, right? But he has to qualify. He has to say, I'm not just a shepherd. I'm not like one of those shepherds in the temple that kicked the blind man out and cut him off from sources of life. I am the good shepherd who's here to lead you to abundant life, he says. He has to qualify this because there are so many other people running around trying to herd sheep this way and that way for their own benefit. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You see, real authority is granted in relationship. It's not demanded because authority requires trust. You know, I discovered studying John's gospel that Jesus talks a lot about authority and power. And he talks a lot about his authority and power, but every time he does, it's always in the context of his relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so in this passage, he talks about it again. You heard as Joanna read it for us. In this passage, he talks about the fact that he has been given power. It's this Greek word that sounds really fun to say, so I'll just say it, but it's exousia. It's just a fun one. But it could also be translated as authority. It's this idea of power or authority, having the ability to make things happen the way that you desire them to happen in a particular sphere of influence, right? Power, authority to get things done. Jesus has been given this authority, the ability to lay his life down and to take it up again. See, this is the authority of the good shepherd. It's not for himself. It's for the sake of the sheep to lay his life down and to pick it up. 
In the first chapter of John's gospel, as we're just being introduced to Jesus, the author of John's gospel says that he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power, authority, exousia to become children of God. Friends, that means that God's response to an authority crisis is not to protect authority or defend authority or demand authority. God's response to an authority crisis is to multiply authority and to share authority, to extend authority all over the world through the children of God, to invite and welcome God's children to take on their God-given authority. That's how God responds to an authority crisis. Jesus has authority that comes from the Father, and he gives that authority, shares it with those who believe in his name. Followers of Jesus, they've been given this authority, which means that we too, not just me up here in this pulpit, you have been given the authority of Jesus. You have been given the authority to lay down your life and discover all new life. You have been given authority to tell the wolves and the sheep and the, uh, to tell the, the wolves and the thieves and the robbers, you can't take my life from me. You do not have authority in my life. You've been given authority to say that, to say you can't take my life because gave me authority to lay it down and to be raised up to brand new life. You have authority and power because you are a child of God. When I realized in this story that the good shepherd and the authority of Jesus is preceded by God granting authority to the children of God, suddenly it occurred to me that maybe this crisis moment of leadership is actually an opportunity moment in the kingdom of God for the children of God to take up the authority that's already theirs. I mean, maybe this is an actual opportunity. Instead of hearing the words of Jesus, like I have so often heard them, I am the good shepherd, and applying them only to pastors and talking about what makes a good leader or a Christ-like leader, what if it is applied to all believers who live in a world filled with sheep that are wandering, following after this voice and that, looking for the voice of a good shepherd who will lead them to abundant life? What if... Hang with me here. I know I am really excited because this is blowing my mind this week. What if when we hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd who has authority to lay down my life and to pick it up. My sheep know my voice. What if that is our phone call moment? What if that's the moment that the phone starts ringing when we finally hear an announcement that for all who are listening for the voice of the good shepherd, who are children of God, we have been given authority as children of God. We have been given authority, and yes, we've always been children of God, even when we didn't know it yet. 
Even when we were going about our lives like everything was normal, doing the dishes and folding the laundry, doing the best that we could to try to pick the right strong leader to get behind, even when we were wandering off after Goliath to make us feel safe and secure, even when we were out there wishing that there would be the right person with authority to come and fix all the broken stuff in this world, all that time, we were God's children. We were walking around with all of this authority and power, and we didn't even know it. You have authority to speak with the kind of voice that the good shepherd has to speak with a voice that will lead people to life and not cut them off from sources of life. You have authority to speak with that kind of a voice. This last week, we read this passage with the church board, the people who you all prayerfully elected to be leaders in this church. And we asked them the question, what did you hear? What stood out to you in this passage? And you know what stood out to the church board the most? It was not anything I saw coming, I'll be honest. They asked the question, what about those other sheep? (laughs) Do you hear that in the passage? Like, what about the other sheep from the other pen that it talks about? What is that all about? And it opened up this amazing conversation about sheep and the other pen, and, and even a conversation that led to the questions about possibly the existence of aliens in our universe. You want to get you on the church board, because that's where the fun conversations happen. But as I prayerfully listened to our church board and to their their questions, their interest and desire to know about these other sheep in the pen, it it made me go back to this passage even again. It made me go back and, and think about these sheep not yet in the pen and think about the fact that when we're looking for Goliaths to get behind, Goliaths are usually pitting us against an enemy. It's pitting us against an other, somebody not like us, right? Goliaths we want because they will protect us from the enemy. But in this passage, Jesus says that there are sheep from other folds, from other pens that are my sheep. And I'm coming to get them. And so what if, as children of God, with authority and power, we started to look at people that we used to see as an enemy, and instead we saw them as sheep from another pen, as children of God who have been walking around like everything is normal and they just haven't heard the good news yet, like they haven't gotten the call that they are a child of God, that they have authority too, that they have power, that they can live an abundant life. Would that just change everything? What if instead of rallying against enemies, we went looking for sheep that are trying to find the voice of the good shepherd among all of the racket in this world? I want to invite you to prayerfully listen to the voice of the good shepherd. As we conclude in a moment, Pastor Tim is going to come and he's going to lead us in prayer. He's going to lead us to the Lord's table we prepare for that meal that the good shepherd sets for us 
want you to ask, I want you to listen for the voice of the good shepherd. I'm inviting you to listen for the voice of the good shepherd. To ask yourself where you have been hearing that kind of voice recently. A voice that leads to abundant life and that doesn't cut you off from sources of life. Listen for the voice of the good shepherd. I know I told you that this metaphor is a really hard one to steward. And it's not because scripture's gotten it wrong. It's because we haven't always done a good job of hearing the voice of the good shepherd in scripture. You know, in John chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus actually talks about scripture. And he talks about the fact that scripture has been given authority because it points to him, to Jesus. And so even this week, as you go to listen for the voice of the good shepherd in scripture, as you're reading scripture, and I hope that you are, I would invite you to consider where that becomes a part of your life. Listen for the good shepherd to speak to you in those words of life. And then as you're listening for the good shepherd, would you just ask God to tell you, God, how are you calling me to steward the authority that you've given me? How, are you, how is God calling you to steward the authority that you have been given as children of God? If you'd like to come and find a place of prayer here at the altars, right there where you're seated, just to take a moment to prayerfully listen to that question as we prepare for Pastor Tim to lead us in prayer. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.